Steve Balton, and you're here on my turning point. Where this week is Sage Baba, and I have a really, really, really cool episode for you. We were very fortunate to get to speak to the incredible John Batiste about his wonderful new album, World Music Radio. What a fascinating conversation about the songwriting process, the creative mind, and everything that went into this wonderful record. So, hope you enjoy this as much as we did. This was a really special conversation. Oh, your miracle, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on the way. We're on the way. We're on the way. We ain't there yet, but we're almost there. It's going to be a, a historic occasion. I'm so excited. Nice. You played last weekend at Folk as well, correct? Yes, indeed. And uh, it was uh, last weekend at Folk, this weekend at Jazz. And um, we were the only artists in the history to do both fests twice in a year, and we we're the only artists to have barbecue on stage at the live performance. <laughs> the exciting stuff. I mean, I'm glad to be here. I remember when I first heard of Newport Jazz, I got a Duke Ellington record in the library when I was in high school. Duke Ellington live at Newport. You know, it's so cool to, to be a part of the history like that. Yeah, I just did a piece with Jason Smith. Uh, our Jay was great. Really good interview. Uh, very cool guy. And, you know, so, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it seems to be a very artist-friendly festival. They definitely seem to know what they're doing with artists. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's a long history of great leadership in that regard. And, you know, I, I have to shout out the late George Ween, who was a friend of mine and you know, he founded that festival and also the festival in my hometown, the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. And his stories, man, I would go to his house. He lived up there on um, the the upper east side. And, and, and uh, we would I would just go to his house and would talk about the stories of him booking that festival in the early days and convincing the likes of Miles Davis and folks to play and his vision was really to make a place where artists felt comfortable. That was like from day one. And Jay's just taking that and really run with it. But um, I just love those stories. I hope that uh, if you got a chance to read his book, George's book about that, when he first started those festivals, it was amazing stories. Well, we also interviewed him. When I say we, by the way, let me properly introduce. So Sage writes with me, is an amazing artist all of this. So we're both super excited to talk to you. And, but we interviewed Quint earlier this year as well. Oh, you did. Ah, yeah. see. So you know about the history of it then. Great. Oh yeah. And it's a, we were supposed to be there and she broke her angle. So it's a little bit of a sore subject still, no pun intended, but uh, hopefully <laughs> next year. Cause yeah, but okay. Wait, we only have 30 minutes and dude, this album is fucking mind blowing. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. It is it is just astonishing. It's so fucking good. And it's funny because Jamie from Verve messaged me about it today because I, I mentioned that dude, the song Butterfly made me cry. Man. Oh my. That's that one came from a lot. <laughs> I tell you that. <laughs> All right. Well, since you say it that way, what's funny, I'll never ask you where a song comes from, but uh 
you know, Sage and I are both very interested in, in sort of the connection between music in the universe and music in the beyond. And it's funny because that's a song that feels like it, it, it would come from a higher power, whatever that is that you believe in. So it's interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about where that one came from in terms of not the subject matter? Because I always believe in leaving songs open to interpretation because everybody's going to mean something else. But that line where you're like, dang, it's the most beautiful thing, the dang, the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I was just like, dude. <laughs> yeah, you heard it. I, I, man, I love that. I love that you, you connected to that because it really is so much bigger. And when you get one like that, that just kind of is, you know, bestowed upon you, you don't write it. It happens. You, you just, you at the piano and it, it comes across, but you know, just being in, in a situation where you're thinking about life and you're thinking about the afterlife and, you know, I, I really have hard time staying in that space without crying. So I understand why it, it hits you in a certain way, but how do you put that emotion to music? You know, that's, a, that's a hard, that's a hard proposition. So I, I really feel like I'm very proud of that one, probably as much as anything that, w that I've ever done, uh, just because it, it, it really got there. Like it got, it spoke to that emotion. No, it did. And it's and you feel that emotion in there and you feel that rawness. And it's funny because I was talking yesterday with Cameron Crowe. He's a book coming and how, you know, when you're writing a book, it's very different than a movie. And it allows you to come from a more personal place. And I'm a big believer that the more personal you can go and you feel that vulnerability in there. And, and so, but what's wonderful about the record, it's funny, the record I would liken it most to, not sonically, but one of my 10 favorite albums of all time, and he's a label mate of yours now, and Sage and I interviewed him together, is Moby and his 1995 album, Everything is Wrong, which to me is one of the greatest Ooh. albums ever made. And the similarity is there are very few records to me that can take you on that whole journey. And this record, World Music Radio, is very similar in the way that it takes you up and down through every emotion. Oh yes, it's so funny that you say that because Moby is 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 such a a a traveler. He's a his journeyman when it comes to the way he makes music, and albums like that were really not direct influences, but but um, they were kind of uh, guiding lights as to oh, this is possible. I'm not crazy. We can actually pull off this interstellar concept record with this you know traveling griot guy dj that's taking you through all of these different genres of music that you know we're connecting the dots in these really really um unorthodox ways i just wanted to to do it i didn't know if it was possible to do it but that's why i love to do things if i don't know if i can quite pull it off at the beginning of the process that's the best feeling and it's also the hardest feeling because you get get eight months and nine months into the project and you're like, wait a minute. Are, are we going to land this plane? I don't quite know what we're doing. I have an idea, but it's still not quite coming. And it's like, oh, 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 epiphany, epiphany. <laughs> so, so, you know, I was thinking of like, also another record I want to, um, the dark side of the moon. I want to reference that just thinking about how, 
that came together. And there's certain records, you're right. You're right. There's like a, it's a journey. This is one of those top to bottom albums. It's meant to be experienced in that way. Yeah, well, it's funny because you just answered the question, then I want to let Sage jump in. But quickly, I was going to ask you about other albums for you that do, or do you remember the first albums for you that take you on that journey? Because, and it's funny because there are albums I love start to finish. But when I say that journey, like for example, an album like Dylan, Tank, uh, Blood on the Tracks, was one of my favorite albums of all time. It doesn't really take you on that up down journey. It's a very, uh, it's a linear line. It's a beautiful record, but it's very linear. So it's interesting to me that this one is able to do a song like Butterfly. Or I stuck with titles because I listened to everything all the way through, but also the last song, which was so beautiful. And then at the same time, oh, Life Lesson, which was just amazing. But then you have these songs that are just so fun as well. And these like, you know, really up-tempo sort of dance songs. Right, right. Well, it's it's like a, it's a little bit of a sleight of hand. It's um, it's how do you set up the the emotional palette for what's to come in the arrangement of the previous song or previous movement without it seeming so. You know, there's, there's all types of things that I learned in the process of making this record. And one of them is sonically, how do you craft a story? Not just a song, even if the song goes 14 different places in the same song that, you know, a sonically different if you were to look at oh this one influence if i was traditionally doing this it would sonically sound like this and then if i was doing this one influence it would sonically sound like that and figuring out how to blend those is one thing and then oh how do i make the whole thing feel like it's inevitable and that was really more of the sleight of hand of okay i'm gonna we gotta put some sort of string like orchestral pad from a synthesizer underneath the third chorus because that's going to set the emotional frequency of this next piece that's coming in. But we don't want to hear the synth, but we want the synth to feel like it's come in. It's just things like that. It's like all kinds of things I learned that I just figured out with making this record. Interesting. Well, I want to let Sage jump in because we only have half hour and, you know, she's smarter than me and a great artist. So you also will have that artist to artist vibe. So, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, That's such a, a, an honor to be speaking with you. I, I loved how you use the word epiphany, epiphany, because to me, it's just like eureka and peering into genius and peering into source to me is the same. And your music is so em- prevalent in that more so than so many like artists and um, within the process of creation, like you were speaking on butterfly, I'd love to get a little peek into that whole experience from sitting down to just having it be written through you. Can you like tell us the story of that time or one of these songs off of this incredible album that the experience was so visceral in just being a conduit for something else? Conduit is the best description. That's the best way to to really describe my process. When I'm operating at my highest frequency, it's as if I am not in control of my body. And it's absolutely insane to, to 
say that, but it really feels that way. And I, I don't, <laughs> it's hard to describe if you haven't been there, but it's, um, it feels like there's a, a force that's in the room or it's, it's even in the instrument sometime or in the vocal mic. It's in, and you're, and you're riding the wave of that force. And, um, you know, there's things that lead to that for sure that I've learned in terms of how I tick. Um, when I'm in a space where there's real silence, it allows for that to happen. When I'm with a collaborator, you know, I had a long conversation with Dan Wilson about just the things we mentioned in, in the beginning of our conversation. You know, what's it like on the other side of the veil and and people in our lives who are struggling with living close to the veil and what that means um, for us and what that means for them and how to be in that space and just the openness of the conversations like that or living through those kinds of moments and reflecting on them, making music in those kind of moments. I wrote lullabies a lot of in a lot of these moments um, to comfort myself and to comfort others. And the lullaby is kind of part of the the, it's a part of the anatomy of butterflies. Like it's a form of a lullaby. Um, and then connecting with all of this in the moment to just sit at the piano and sing for, you know, playing and sing for singing for about two or three hours and then reaching the point where, oh, I'm saying something subconsciously. I didn't know while I was playing, these words were coming out. But this is what I'm meant to be saying. This is what I'm supposed to say right now. So that's really how that song came into being. And, and once, you know, we, we listen back to this sort of stream of consciousness, prayer lullaby that was inspired by so many things, it, it was born in a matter of hours the song was, the recording was done. Yeah, was that um, was that feeling something that you've always been aligned with? Or do you recall finding that, that connection? I, I feel that I didn't always understand the process or how to, how to, how to access that as a process, but I believe that's always in, it's in all of us as, as, um, as kids, we, we have this purity and this free, free expression. <laughs> and, um, it, it's, if, if, if we're really tapping into that, we're not thinking about how we look or how we sound or, <laughs> it's funny. I was at a school yesterday and we were doing incredible, incredible young people were there and we were doing this and this this exchange. It was, you know, billed as a um a master class and turned into a concert for their family and friends in the community. And, you know, it was a beautiful thing for me because me being this quote unquote master, I'm learning so much just observing these seven, eight year olds playing drums and singing this music. And it's like, oh, okay, that's still the thing. <laughs> that's always going to be the thing. If we can still do that, then 
everything else falls into place. And it's so hard to do that the more you, quote unquote, quote, you're learned, you're studied, <laughs> you're accomplished. It's so hard to still just, okay, now I have all of this. So how do I do that with all of this? So I think figuring out how to make process be that has really been my goal. And um, I think we've always, we've all always had it. It's just a matter of figuring out how you tick so that you can get to it. Well, it's really interesting. There are artists that I've gotten to be around over the years that you just, you're in their presence and you feel like they're closer to that process. They understand it. Uh, the one who always comes to mind most for me is Carlos Santana. Like he just, it, he just feels things on a different level. Like, you know, he fucking glows when he walks in the room. So for you, as you've gotten to work with all these amazing artists, are there people that you've been around or that you've learned from that really inspire you in the way that they are able to tap into that childlike process like you talk about? Oh my goodness. I, I literally have a lesson from everybody that I've worked with. And that's one of the things that is exciting for me. You know, when I, I always reference this when sometimes people will ask me, how do you go into these different spaces or different styles of music and authentically come out on the other side. And it's really just an obsession with process that has kind of led me to that place where I'm like, okay, I'm going to submit to the frequency of whatever this process yields. And it's almost like it becomes its own culture. Certain collaborations become a, a, a culture. It's like a, a ritual. And then from there, I'll take what I feel is most resonant with me from that experience and it becomes a part of my process. And then from there, you, you, you constantly expand on your creative process. And, you know, it becomes this philosophy for me at this point where, okay, now it's just about a value system and the chief value is quality and, and, and authenticity. So if I have quality and authenticity, then I can work with anybody and I can go into space. I think about people who I've worked with, like Jahan Sweet is a producer I worked with on this record and he can just make music anywhere. I remember he, when he was a kid and he came to Juilliard we were, we, you know, I was in my last year and he was coming in from Florida and he's, and he's just, you know, now producing music for all of these incredible artists. And I asked him where his ideal place to work from is. And he's like, I love working in the hotel room on a, a, a MIDI keyboard and like a, a small laptop. So... You know, there's, there's people who are, are Rita Paez, who's an artist who we discovered and she's on the song My Heart. She's a singer and trombonist and she's from Catalonia, Spain. It's absolutely epic. And she recorded her song. We did it. It was it was her bedroom on like the um, the 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 laptop microphone. And there's an intimacy to that, that she really, it's really deep. It's actually, it's not about the equipment. It's not about anything but the spirit behind it. 
Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. It's all about the intimacy. Again, it's, it's, you know, and it's funny. I think sometimes people get in the habit too of, of overthinking things. And it's funny because Sage and I were having a debate. She had this one song that was literally, she sent me the demo. And I was like, if you change a single thing on that, I'll never speak to you again because it's perfect as it is. And I think as an artist, sometimes there's a tendency to overthink things because there is so much available to you. So for you as an artist, how have you learned to sort of go with the feeling and realize that, okay, just because you can spend like, I got lucky to talk to Eddie Van Halen once for two hours or to a producer like Daniel Lanois, who's one of the best. Oh yeah. Analog, you know? Yeah. What, what, what's the, what's the common thread? The common thread is artists losing, learning to choose, to trust their gut and just go with what feels right to them. The common thread is just being like, okay, this is, this is right. And it's funny as an artist, because I talk to every artist in the world, you know, artists by nature are very prone to self-doubt. So, but it's that common thread is being able to say, no, dude, this feels right. Like, just trust your gut and don't sit there and think just because again, you can spend another seven days on it or seven years that it's going to make it better. Better, better, right, 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 right. It's, 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 it's so deep. We just get into these, it's a feedback loop of professionalism and perfectionism. And it's, it's important, but it's also a myth. So for you, when did you first sort of discover that? Was there a moment where you realized like, okay, you know, and again, this comes back to what Sage was asking about the process, but just trusting your gut and realizing that, okay, just because I, you know, and especially now as you have more success, you know, you can spend, you know, an extra three years in studio, but it's not going to make it necessarily any better. Well, I'm still, still, you know, I'm still working on that. And that's why I was so, so um, not only impressed, but really impressed upon by seeing those kids who are not really in a space where they're thinking about being a professional musician or artist or performer. And, you know, they, they may have been only playing the drums as an extracurricular activity or singing on the side as something that's fun that they like to do, but it's not really, you know, a goal. It was just pure. And that to me is what, you know, I'm still constantly channeling that, trying to channel that every single time. It's not something that I feel like I can say that I've completely learned and I just can say I've arrived to the place where, okay, now I'm enlightened in that way. <laughs> it's like, a, for me, it's a constant process of, of, of making sure that I'm always in tune with that. I think as an artist, of course, you're always trying to figure that out. I know we're going to have to wrap up in a second, which is we can talk the artistic process the entire day. So I want to let Sage get in at least one more uh, before we wrap up. Thank you. I absolutely love the line, purifying the airwaves. And I, it goes so much into the flow of what we're speaking on now. What does that mean to you and where was that born? Billy Bob Bobob is this character who in many ways is aspirational for me and is also my attempt at creating a myth, a mythology that speaks to the era that we're in. And you speak about mythology with people and, and think about the times that 
some of these things that we read about were born out of. And there's always this aspirational quality to it as an archetypal quality, but it's also an aspirational quality to many myths. And Billy Bob purifying the airwaves in this time of so much strife and levels of, of, of division and all of the different layers of misinformation or misrepresentation, so many things that need to be purified in the airwaves is this symbol. The album has many symbols. Water is a symbol. The butterfly is a symbol. I don't want to spoil so much of it. There's a lot left to be interpreted in the album, and there's a lot of symbolism and layers that build the mythology of Billy Bob Bobob and thus his his goal of purifying the airwaves. So in in short, it it comes from really assessing all of these things that are happening and it really being metabolized in this artistic process and that manifesting this this character, this interstellar griot character, Billy Bob, who's like he's he's um he really is representative of so much and that's what he would do. <laughs> that's what that's what he would do. So it it I never come to things like that first. It it had to come through all of that to reach, oh, okay, and now that we're here, this is what would inevitably happen. I love the fact too that it's tied in with the idea though of radio. And it's funny because you mentioned Pink Floyd and Dark Side of the Moon, and you go to an album like Roger Waters Radio Cast, and you know, that's an album, or Tom Petty, Last DJ, and the, you know, incorporated the idea of radio. And radio is such an old school sort of thing at this point in terms of, you know, those moments of listening to a DJ who would be sort of your host and take you on this guide. So for you, do you think back to was there like a, a specific radio moment that really stands out for you in your childhood? My mother was and still is one of the biggest musical influences on me. She's not a musician. In fact, in the last two years, in these these um these these times of, of my career expanding, we first connected on um music lessons. <laughs> me teaching her the piano. It's one of the things I love to do. And she's studying the piano for 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 um her first instrument after having a husband and son who are musically inclined and her radio choice and creative creative instinct was huge in the in, in the the times we would drive together are some of the most influential times for me because the things that she would listen to and the eclecticism of what she would listen to and the things she would hear in the music and the way that she would sing along and the part she would key into, like sometimes it would be a counter melody, not the main melody, for instance. Just things that she would hear. It, it's really, really special that, you know, all those memories for me being with my mother and thinking about the radio, listening to the radio, and also radio being where in all these cultures in the world there are these memories connected to it and it's how we get a lot of important messages, monumental messages have been delivered throughout history 
via the radio. And it's still a big part of how we are delivered and established in terms of our collective mythologies. Yeah, no, no question. It's interesting because I think that's one of the things that's missing today is that collective, you know, transmission. Exactly. So hopefully this brings it back. Dude, this was an absolute blast. And I feel like Sage and I could talk to you the entire day and geek out on yeah. music. But I know that you got to go. Is there anything that you want to add that we didn't get to ask you about? I think it was actually one of the incredible conversations that I've had. It's really something to kind of delve into the the process and the and the meaning of what we're doing without being so literal or or um musical and 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 that's that's a beautiful thing it's very human conversation around conception and process well that's i think what we're both interested well i shouldn't speak for her because she's smarter than me but i know that for me that's what i've always been interested in these conversations you know and so yeah that's the joy of it and again like i said it's funny like i'll never ask like the meaning of a song because what makes it special is the fact that it's so open to interpretation exactly it's it's um everyone owns the music once it's out there yeah well hopefully we get to do it again very soon and and go even more in depth because again we could talk on this stuff all day oh yes that's amazing i love that and and where you you said uh you were speaking with jamie are you based in new york i am based in la um Sage and I did a piece with Jamie together. He just, uh, we've become friends on Instagram. He DM'd me and I responded to him. And I also was speaking last night with another friend of yours who's one of my favorite people in music, Emily Lazar. I just have done this for a thousand years, so I know everybody. Oh my goodness, that's great. I was going to say you you should, we're doing um, the performances, so please do come out. We'd love to have you in New York and also in LA for the album. Well, I think I'm going to have to make the trip to New York because very sadly, when you're doing the performance on August 23rd, I'm booked because Sage is playing at Vibrato that night and Herbie Hancock is playing in LA that night as well. So I'm like, dude, yes. hopefully, hopefully it sells out in two seconds and you add a night on the 22nd and we can come then. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. That's, that's exciting. I mean, it's such a conceptual record. Would you consider doing it start to finish? Oh, yes. The the tour to me is really going to be, wow. I mean, because I've, I've, I've done so much in my, my, um, my, my artistic output, TV and scores and performances and all these incredible opportunities to collaborate and obviously albums and touring. I've never toured. I've toured when I was a student in school and I was touring with people who are incredible and, and I learned a lot from, but I was still a full-time student and I couldn't be on the road. And then after graduating, I joined this show with, you know, a friend of mine, a guy you may have heard of called Stephen Colbert. And we did this for seven years. And, you know, after that, it was like a year ago that I, I, um, had had the uh the first opportunity when you know I started making world music radio to to do something or be in a place for longer than a couple weeks at a time at the most I was able to do that you know during the late show tenure it was 202 shows 
at the beginning. Set, you know, he's talking about a year, two hundred and two shows in New York City. You know, even when I made the We Are album, I was recording that in the dressing room, and I was doing the score to the Soul at the same time as I was taping the show, at the same time as I was performing. So now, World Music Radio not only is the first album where I started, where there was a month where I was in the same place in Malibu at Shangri La, but then I went from there to a create place. all different. Yeah, it's a great place. I mean, Rick's Rick's play. He wasn't there, but I ran into him when I was traveling before that in Italy, and he was like, "Oh yeah, if you're in the zone, you should go to Shangri La and take the studio and and you know take it, do your thing." So I went for a uh, month. It's funny as a music geek, and I know we got to wrap up, but I want to let's say let's say goodbye to you. But it's funny because I was there when I've known Rick for years, and I got to go there once, and just walking through the backyard, and you see. The, the, that he has the actual like tree stump from the band music from the Big Pink. I'm like, are you fucking yes. kidding me? In <laughs> the Bob Dylan's tool bus. Did you see that? Yeah. I love I, that, dude. Anyway, dude, like I said, we can geek out all day. Sage, I want to let you say, you know, goodbye as well because I don't want to monopolize. And yeah. I just feel so called to ask. It's a very, very basic question, but what is music to you? Wow. Oof. It's it's really the universal force the 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 uh, the universal force of of oneness that is constantly moving, constantly creating, constantly generating and we dip in and out of the stream of it. We dip in and out of that constant stream. And we bring it into this realm. And it exists as the the force of oneness that is um, a part of the the great force of oneness, which which you know many people have different beliefs about. But music connects to that. And that's why when we hear it, we want to come together or people feel deeper into their, their emotional state. They feel deeper into their humanity. They feel deeper into all of the things that make us similar and make us the same and also feel deeper into the things that make us one of ones. So it's a really deep universal current. And it's something that I think uh, when we when we dip into the stream of it and bring it out in its purest form, it's powerful and has that impact. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for your music, for all the work that you do. It's such an honor to speak with you. And I can't wait to see you live and perform this incredible album. It's so amazing. Yes, indeed. Likewise, I'm excited to see, and and um, I look forward to meeting y'all both in person. Dude, anytime. We'll come. We'll come anywhere too. Because again, this was. I mean, you know, it's just there's certain artists that I've known for like 30 years now, and it's like you just feel that connection right away, and you're just like, all right, well, we're gonna talk for for many years to come. Absolutely. Yes. Yes.
Hey, it's Steve Balton. You've been listening to My Turning Point with special guest, John Batiste. Hope you enjoyed this one as much as Sage Baba and I did. Thanks for joining us. Butterfly in the air You can fly anywhere A sight beyond compare A sacred song and a sacred tone There's a butterfly flying home It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.